that we don't have to wait for a study to prove that something is harmful when we have decades and centuries of information that has proven that plants are are helpful. So I like to think of it as avoiding the potential harm and instead use products that I know for a fact have no harm at all. Um, And so that's the way that I try to frame it. And that's the reason why we avoid products, um, avoid these ingredients. Welcome to The Jealous Vegan, a podcast about healthy eating, habit change, and the hurdles we all need help overcoming. I'm Jennifer Hunley, co-founder of The Jealous Vegan, also known as The Voice. Today we are joined by April Cunningham, co-founder of The Jealous Vegan, health and life coach, also known as The Influencer. Lisa Carter, founder of Kinetic Fitness, also known as The Balancer. And welcoming special guest, Dr. Christian. Welcome to another episode, and we are so excited to be able to introduce Dr. Christian Henderson from Black and Green. She is a lifestyle enthusiast, describes herself as a yogi, and the founder of Black and Green, which you can find at blkgrn.com. So Dr. Christian, welcome. We're glad to have you with us. I'm so excited to be with you guys today. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. For those who aren't already familiar with Black and Green, and we hope that you um, have connected with them through social media, they can be found at B-L-K-A-N-D-G-R-N. And of course, um, you'll see highlights on this podcast episode in the show notes, as well as on the Jealous Vegans Instagram page. Uh, Something you um, might not know about them is that Black and Green's mission has really been developed around helping Black women find tools, resources, knowledge, and of course, products that are geared towards helping us lead happier and healthier lives. And I know as a black woman all of my life, (laughs) how difficult that can be sometimes. And so having a resource like this is incredible. And we're so glad to have an opportunity to talk to you. Well, thank you. Thank you. Yeah. So where did the idea from black and green come from? Um, If you were, I guess, a superhero, what would be your origin story? Yeah. So, I mean, I could probably take the entire podcast telling you my full origin story, but I'm pretty sure most of your listeners would tune out. So I'll give you a much quicker version. Um, I was working at Johns Hopkins Hospital for about six years. I was on the path to be a hospital administrator. I wanted to be the chief operating officer of a hospital, and I was very much a, you know, a rule follower and a box checker like Michelle Obama talks about in her book, Becoming. Um, but I kind of had a similar crisis that she had where I wasn't happy and, but I was doing the thing that I had always worked towards. And so I had no idea where I wanted to go. So I was kind of in this middle of this crisis of this personal crisis of being unfulfilled at work. I was going through a divorce. So I was unfulfilled at home. Yet on the outside looking in, everything looked really perfect, but I was like really miserable. I was also working in a hospital environment, which is a stressful environment for a lot of reasons. The energy's really quite interesting in a hospital. There's People are dealing with all sorts of things. Sickness is a very difficult thing to deal with, but Something I noticed is that there was a lot of Black women who were coming into the hospital who were dying from diseases that were completely preventable. Um, And I just, I didn't understand it. And it didn't matter if they had insurance. It didn't matter how educated they were. It didn't matter um, how much money they made is that they seemed to still have worse health outcomes compared to everyone else. And my background is in public health, and I've always been passionate about health disparities and wanting to understand disparities. 
And I kind of felt like I was on that same path, that I was unhappy, I was unhealthy, I wasn't prioritizing myself, I wasn't prioritizing my own health. And so I just started on a personal journey to be healthier. And it started with what I was eating. It started with me going natural. I started working out. Um, And during this process, I gained a sense of mental clarity that I had never had before. My energy was increasing. My state of mind was improving. My relationships with people was improving. Um, And so I just was really excited about this journey that I was on. And I wanted to kind of share it with the world. Um, And one of the pieces that I realized was products. So like most women, I started off kind of with my hair and going natural and not wearing my relaxer anymore and cutting out my weave and reading the all the ingredients on the back of my bottles. And I was avoiding sulfates and everything else and watching all the YouTube videos. And I was trying to eat clean and avoid, avoiding foods that included ingredients that I couldn't pronounce. And then it <laughs> dawned on me that I am using a lots of products that have ingredients that I can't pronounce on my face and in my, that like I'm cleaning with them and my laundry detergent. And I understood that my skin was an organ and I was absorbing all of this into my body. So I was like, wow, if I'm going to be conscientious about what I put on my hair and what I put in my mouth, then I need to also be conscientious about what I put on my skin. And so, or what I, you know, what I clean up with or what I'm washing my clothes with. And so I just wanted to kind of clean shop and get more plant-based products that were more natural, that weren't man-made, that weren't synthetic, and that were good for me, good for the environment. And also this other piece was good for my community. I wanted to buy small, local, Black-owned brands. Um, So I started looking for Black-owned brands that were also clean, natural, and non-toxic, and I just started purchasing them for myself. My friends around me started asking for my spreadsheets that I was creating of all the brands I was finding. And I started to hear complaints like, oh, this is too difficult. There's too many brands. How do I know which ones are good? Sometimes they take too long to ship. I can't pay shipping at eight different websites. And it dawned on me that this was a problem, that there was a large market of women that were interested in finding all natural products that were created by other Black women, but they needed it to all be in one place. And so that is how Black and Green was born, was in response to complaints that I heard from family and friends. Just out of curiosity, what what year was that and for audience benefit? That was in 20, the end of 2017. Gotcha. Yeah. Yeah. I, for myself, have had a similar, I am excited when I found Black and Green because um, I have been buying all natural products for some time, but needing to source them from lots of different places um, and varying levels of of, uh, investment as well. I think there's a serum that I do love and I still have um, uh, coming out of Miami, all uh, organic, all natural, uh, $175 for a little bottle. So- um, I realized that that's not accessible for a lot of Black women. Um, and so I'm really excited that you brought this to the marketplace. And when we, you and I talked before, and I tried some products, and I, I was skeptical. <laughs> um, but they've been amazing. So it's really exciting that you, you came into the market at this time and, and were willing to, to access and to provide this need. Yeah, most definitely. And... To be honest, a lot of our customers are skeptical because there's a lot of historical reasons why that skepticism exists. I think that Black women aren't a new market. Uh, We spend a lot of money on personal care products, twice as much as anyone else. And the industry has been heavily marketing to us for years. However, 75% of the products that are marketed to Black women are considered toxic. So there is this fear that if someone is marketing this just to me, is it actually good for me? Because history has shown me that generally it's not. Um, So that is definitely a hurdle that we've had to jump over. And to just be very blunt, we also had to jump over the hurdle of 
when people hear black owned, unfortunately, they don't think quality. And so sometimes when people say, oh, I do want to support the community, but I still have standards. I still want a high quality product. And oftentimes they're worried or concerned if a black owned product would meet those standards. And so we've done a lot of work of trying to change that narrative and trying to present a very polished and luxury experience. And we we like to say you can, you know, buy black and live green without compromise. So you don't have to compromise to do both of those things. Um, but it's going to take time to build the trust within our community because it's been broken. Yeah, I love it. No, I love it. And I will say, having been to your event, um, the Black Oasis event that you did here in Washington, D.C., I was surprised. I and I, I hesitate to say that. I'm embarrassed to say that, but I was pleasantly surprised for just the reasons that you mentioned. So, yeah, it resonates with me perfectly. Yeah. Yeah, I liked what you said about small, local, Black-owned brands. I used to live in Austin, and the kind of unofficial motto of the city is keep Austin weird. And they emphasized shopping local. And it was the first time that I had thought or realize the importance of being able to support local businesses instead of national or, or international global chains. Um, and, and it really did, it does give you a sense of pride to feel that you're able to support your community and help someone realize their dream of owning a small business or um, bringing something to the marketplace that, that people need. Um, and so it, it really is great to know um, the level of detail you go to to make sure that your artisans meet what you're looking for. Yeah, absolutely. And I think the the beauty of shopping small or shopping local really comes down to we know that small owned businesses, particularly black small owned businesses, are more likely to hire other black employees. So when you're investing in a small owned brand, and I, I like to think of purchasing products as an investment, I like to think that I get my paycheck and every month I'm an investor and I am making a decision based off of the products that I purchase of who gets to thrive and who doesn't. And when I started to kind of see my spending habits that way, it totally changed the way that I was shopping because I all of a sudden became a investor and I wanted to invest in the things that I valued and invest in the companies that I valued. Yep. I love it. Mm-hmm. That makes a lot of sense. Mm-hmm. So you, you talked about people looking perfect on the outside, but unhappy on the inside. I think you even mentioned that in reference to yourself. And I I feel that way a lot. So one, I appreciate that you can validate that those aren't um, unnatural or abnormal feelings uh, that we probably all to some degree struggle with those um, feeling like we're not able to be our authentic selves or that the person that we're presenting to the world may not be the person that we are inside. And I also applaud you for taking the time to try to address that. Um, and that's what we talk about a lot here at the Jealous Vegan. Yeah. And and the work that you did, what you described, I mean, you made it sound pretty easy. Like I changed, started changing my diet, and I changed what I was putting on my face. And then I did this and I did that. Oh, and I, oh, I also went through a divorce. <laughs> make it sound rather like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You just add that on, stack it up. And it was easy. Um, but uh, having been through a divorce myself and having made, uh, a lot of the changes that you've mentioned, in fact, all the changes that you mentioned at a different point, um, I've realized that it's not easy. And that's why the Jealous Vegan exists, so that we can help people, all people, men and women, um, to recognize how difficult it is and at the same time that it can be done. Yes. Oh, my gosh. No, it's not easy. I just was conscientious of the time um, and didn't want to go into too many details, but it's hard. I I think I saw on social media the other day is that, you know, self-care and self-love is a hard process. And it it is. It's a really hard process because the reason why everything looked perfect on the outside, but I was miserable on the inside was because I was, one, more concerned with what other people thought or what I thought would look good to other people. And I was making my decisions based off of external validation versus internal validation. And two, I had done zero introspection to figure out what actually moved me. Um, I wasn't thinking, I didn't know what made me happy. I didn't know what made me excited. I didn't know what I was passionate about. I knew what I was good at, but I didn't know 
anything else. And that is a really dangerous recipe to move at the whims of everyone else's thoughts and desires and demands of you is because you haven't taken the time to develop your own. So it was painful when I had to look at myself in the mirror and be like, girl, what do you like? And I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I, you mentioned uh, going natural and I'm probably, I was probably the longest holdout on a relaxer on the team and in my circle of friends. Um, and so I only recently went natural, uh, I guess in September of, of 2018. So was that, was that the hardest change that you had to make or what was that process like for you? Gosh, that was a really hard one. I don't know if that was my hardest. Mm, so I grew up in Arkansas. I grew up in the South and I don't know how other people's like social pressures were, but I definitely grew up in an environment where light skin, long hair, long straight hair was the picture of beauty. And as yeah. long as I could remember, I wanted long hair. My best friend had like super long, beautiful hair, like down the middle of her back. And I just always wanted long hair. I just associated it with beauty so much that for me, even when I did go natural, as in like not wear my relaxer, I still was wearing a weave on top of it for a long time. Mm -hmm. And I would, you know, I had good language to justify it. Like, oh, it's a protective style. <laughs> so that way my natural hair underneath could grow. And no shame for anyone who like actually means it. I just didn't mean that. Right. It just sounded good. It just was a way for me to still fulfill my European standard of beauty, but still like pretend like I was being like more natural, but I really wasn't because I hadn't done the hard work of really admitting to myself that Kristen, you don't think that you're pretty the way that your hair grows out of your head. And like, you need to sit with that and understand what that means and figure out how are you going to get comfortable with your hair that grows out of your head. And I remember when I wanted to cut my hair, I was talking to a coworker at work who I'm not particularly close to. And I was like, oh, I'm so concerned about what it's going to look like. I've never seen my hair curly. I, you know, I, I've had my hair relaxed since I was in the fifth grade. Like, I'm, I just, I'm so concerned. And she was like, what do you mean you're concerned? I was like, I don't know what it's going to look like. She was like, it's the natural hair that God gave you that grew out of your head. It's going to look great. And I was like, oh, Okay. <laughs> yeah, no, we get it. Like, I mean, I had the same, same going natural for me wasn't even, I didn't know that was a thing. I had a relaxer since I was seven. My mom was like, yeah, okay, this, yeah, this long, beautiful hair, but it's too much. So mm -hmm. um, yeah, we're going to smooth that out. <laughs> um, and I had a relaxer since I was seven. I, I went natural when I was, I think, 21 the first time. No idea what to expect. Totally get it. That is um, very common among American Black women because we just we don't get that uh, we don't get that time with mm -hmm. our natural hair. Um, our parents do it, or they put a relaxer in it, and then that's it. Yeah, so, totally get it. What I like about your experience is that uh, you've said this a couple of times where you make conscious decisions about things, and I think that sometimes. Our hair is one of those things. We do whatever's easy. It's what our parents used to do. It's kind of what we know. And shifting to something that's different, just like you said, like, I don't know what to expect. I don't know what my hair is going to look like. And so we tend not to go in that direction. Um, and it does seem like, I know for myself for a long time, because uh, I'm a hairstylist as well, but I felt like there were not really any products for that either. Um, mm. When you are going natural and, you know, everybody talks about their curl pattern being, you know, now they have the whole number system that I don't believe in, but they have all <laughs> of those like, you know, different textures and what works for one person's texture may not work for another person's texture. And like you said, you're, you're already in like a weird space where you're trying to feel confident about yourself, but you don't, and you're trying to figure it out. So, um, I think you making that conscious decision to go natural, which I think some people do it because it's a fad or because all of their friends are doing it. Um, that's like really, uh, I guess, I don't know if good is the right word, <laughs> <laughs> but I like that you did it like with mindfulness because yeah. I have to tell this speaking, that's really what we uh, encourage people to do with anything, right? With going natural, with what they're eating, with what they're putting on their skin, be mindful about it and be conscious of why you're making one decision or, or another. Oh my gosh. Consciousness, I think is hard. Like when people said ignorance was bliss, 
<laughs> that is real. Like ignorance is so much easier, but I want to be conscious about my decision that I'm making about the choices that I'm making. And I went through this phase where I questioned everything. It's like, okay, I was using these products, but why? Are they really good for me? Is it just because they were marketed to me? And why were they marketed to me? Like so many of our decisions are controlled by these outside influences that we don't even recognize or pick up on. And so I went through a phase and kind of still am there of just trying to be more conscientious about asking myself, why are you doing the things that you're doing? Why are you making the choices that you're making? Is this your choice or are you following a pattern that you've always followed, but you've never consciously made that decision for yourself? And so I know it's harder that way. Um, it's much tougher because you have to have tough conversations with yourself. You have to, like, I had to check myself. I was going all natural and green and black owned with my personal care and my hair care products, but I was still buying my clothes like from fast fashion places. And like one day I was like, oh my gosh, Kristen, this is so inconsistent. This is not conscious. Go do some research and figure out how these big brands are making these clothes. Where are they making them? Where are they getting the materials? Who is making them? And is that consistent with your values or your morals? No. Your paycheck likes it because you can get seven shirts for $5. But (laughs) (laughs) however, you're hurting a community of small children who aren't getting paid a livable wage or it's, it's dwarfing the new designer who's trying to enter the field, but her shirts cost a hundred dollars because she's buying real cotton and she's making it herself. And the price points just seem so much higher because we've gotten used to prices being so cheap. And, you know, so that was a really tough one for me. So like, I, I don't buy clothes often in general, and I definitely don't buy them often now because the things I want to buy are so much more expensive than the things I used to buy, but at least I feel good doing it. But it was so much easier when I can just run to the mall and like run to Zara and H&M and pick up something cute and like keep it moving. Whereas now I want something cute. that's like, oh God. All right, here we go. <laughs> like I have to find my places and I have to save up money. And it's so it's, it's a much harder process. I don't want to sugarcoat it. Like being conscious, being a conscious consumer, being a conscious eater, being a conscious human is easy. It's not. It takes work. It takes a lot of work. It takes sacrifice. I I don't shop. I'm trying to, I shouldn't say I don't. I'm limiting my shopping on Amazon. Do you know how hard that is? Yes. <laughs> yes. I used to get things like, I would think about it, dream about it. It would like show up the next day. Now I'm like, I don't even know where to buy things I used to buy from Amazon. Like that's how dependent I had gotten, which is when I realized it was a problem. So it's hard, but it feels so good. It feels, I feel so good when I do find something from a black owned brand. When I find a all natural VOC free paint, black owned paint company, and I buy a, you know, a gallon of paint from her, I just feel so good. Like I'm supporting her mission. I'm supporting her vision. I'm supporting my community and I'm not supporting some big corporation that could care less about me, my community and the things that are important to me. Well, we applaud you for your progressive mindset. (laughs) We're all in that camp. Trying. So you you mentioned earlier some of the products that you limited as you were making this transition. So you looked at things that you couldn't pronounce. And um, I think that's a great place to start, right? If I don't, if I can't pronounce it or I don't know what it is and I can't identify it in the wild, um, should I be consuming it? And I think most people think about being healthier with diet or exercise, but maybe not consider what putting on our skin or, or what we put, yeah, what we put on our skin, how that impacts our overall health. So what was the light bulb moment for you around about skincare and and how the things that you put on your skin mattered? Yes, I think it started with I was reading the labels only on hair care, so it just felt inconsistent. It was like you just spent thirty minutes in the hair care aisle trying to make sure things didn't have sulfates and parabens and 
you know, petroleum and all the other lists of things that I was learning to avoid. And then you walked right over to the next aisle and you bought your deodorant and your soap and your lotion without even reading the back of the bottle. And so I think right there, it just, I I recognized I was being inconsistent. Then my face was breaking out. So like, there's nothing like a, your body to tell you that you need to make a change to make it any easier. The same products I had been using for a while, all of a sudden just stopped working. Uh, Face was breaking out. I kept having acne. I had these dry spots. And so I was like, okay, I need to find something new. So it was a combination of feeling inconsistent. Also, the products weren't working for me any longer. That kind of prompted me that it was time for a change. And I found my one of my first brands that I carried on my website was this Black-owned brand that I found on Etsy, which is still one of our best-selling brands on our website to this day. And it's a simple three-step process that I started to use. And I my face loved it. And I kind of have been um, sold ever since. And now to be quite honest, which is, this might sound counterproductive. I try every single face care product on my face. And I've always have thought that that would like cause me to break out. Like, oh, you can't change products that often, blah, 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 blah. Because these are all natural products, I use them interchangeably and I have zero problems. Like my face and skin is like always glowing, which I think just speaks to the quality of the products and ingredients that we're using. I literally can use something different every day and not break out. Like try that with what you get from like your local drugstore and like see how that works for you. Yeah, no, I, I was thinking as a health coach, I think about this all the time. Like I've put stuff on my skin and you, I get an immediate feeling of like, nope, that didn't feel good. Or, ooh, that was calm. Mm-hmm. You just know, like your body knows, hey, your skin knows, okay, I recognize this versus what was that? Exactly. So I hate to be a Debbie Downer here, but I have tried natural toothpaste and natural deodorant before. Yep. And I felt like... I'll take my chances with the aluminum because I don't want to offend anybody with my odor. (laughs) So I tried deodorant also, and it didn't quite work for me. So to that point, Jen, I, yeah, I I get it. And that's something we hear often. Um, I, I mean, I try not to say specific brand names, but with this one, I have to. Majority of people, when they switch to natural deodorants, try Tom's first. Tom's does not work for a lot of people. And so what I hear happens is, oh, natural deodorants don't work for me. Well, how many natural deodorants did you try? Well, one. Okay, so is it possible that just that one didn't work for you versus none of them didn't work for you? And they're like, well, yeah, that's true. But I think the idea of having to go through the testing process is difficult. And two, your body has to detox from the years and years of chemicals that you're using. And so it it is a transition period. It's like when you transitioned your hair from relaxer to not a relaxer, Unless you just was bombed from day one, most of us weren't bombed from day one. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I'm still not. I'm still working on it. It took me a good year or two before I figured out what to do with my hair. So I say be gentle with yourself, be gentle with your products, and try not to throw out the whole natural product movement because one product didn't work for you. And then also try to maybe tell yourself that, is, it, is, there, is there a possibility that something else here can be going on? So I, I try to work people into it. And then if you have had a really bad experience with deodorant, let, maybe let's not start with the deodorant. Then. Like maybe let's start with a different <laughs> product that you are more willing to try. And let's build up your confidence and build up your faith that plant-based products can work for you. And then we can give you our sample box of seven different deodorants. And then you can try to figure out which one works for you. Because everybody is different. Um, so Some people love our spray-on deodorant that has apple cider vinegar in it. Some people hate the smell of apple cider vinegar. Some people love our charcoal-based deodorant. Some people don't like the idea of touching their deodorant. Some people love our deodorant that has tons of essential oils in it and has a baking soda base. Some people are allergic to baking soda. So you have to kind of give yourself time to figure it out. But everything doesn't work for everybody. Did Did you say you have seven different types of deodorant? Yes. 
And I mean, literally different types, not like all in the tube and just with different scents. Like they're literally different types. Some are charcoal, some are spray on, some you rub with your hands, some are soft, some are hard, some have a really strong scent, some have a really light scent. And it all depends on the person's preferences. I, I'm always shocked and intrigued just how unique we are when it comes to our deodorant preferences. Like I ask people like, oh, are you okay touching your underarm? And some people are like, oh my gosh, no. Why would I ever touch my underarm? And other people are like, it's a part of my body. Yes, I can touch my underarm. But if I give you a deodorant that requires you to dip your finger in it and rub it into your underarm and you feel uncomfortable touching that part of your body, that deodorant will never work for you. Yeah. So you mentioned a sample pack. Yes, this is a new thing that we're rolling out where we because deodorant is like is like just such a is like such a natural product transition product. And we have seen that people will come on our website and buy all of the deodorants. And so we're like, you know what, we're going to put together a box of smaller versions of all the deodorants. So that way people can just buy a sample box of deodorant and they can try everything out and figure out which one works for them. Oh, I'm going to try this. I know. (laughs) You might make me a believer. (laughs) I didn't know what we should do. I could like send out a survey afterwards where you like have to tell me which ones you liked and which ones you didn't and why you didn't. So I can figure out like the, the nerd in me wants to like figure out like, how can I predict your deodorant selection better? (laughs) So if you're like, okay, I work out this much or I'm this or that, I can say, okay, this is the best deodorant for you based off of your workout pattern or based off of like your underarm hair pattern. I don't know if that's even a thing, but. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And maybe even the kind of deodorant they're transitioning from might give you some insights as to what will work well for them. Yeah. That's a good question. Yeah. And I'm so glad to know that um, I have some work to do on, and maybe we'll find an answer to my dilemma about uh, natural toothpaste and natural deodorant. (laughs) But when I was looking through the bestsellers, something really caught my attention. There, Quite a few of the bestsellers are linked to feminine care. And Mm -hmm. I remember, I I guess I should say, um, having had a a hysterectomy, I don't necessarily need some of the feminine care products. But I recall growing up and even though my mom and I was, were close and I have an older sister, we just didn't talk about certain things. And so I had no knowledge of, like, I knew about toxic shock syndrome. And so then I decided that maybe I shouldn't use tampons. And it took years before I decided, well, let me give it a try because this other thing is just not working for me. Um, but can you speak a little bit to the feminine care products and, and why they've been so well received? I think that you hit the nail on the head. I think that a lot of our community that's shopping on black and green historically grew up in environments where you did not talk about feminine care. You did not talk about your private parts. You didn't talk about any of that. And so there almost seems to be this big gap in knowledge of a generation of women that didn't know a lot about what was happening with their own body. I think also what has happened is that when you start to deal with issues in that region, you start to do research. And what you learn very quickly is that a lot of, you know, yeast infections or, you know, vaginosis or just pH imbalance in general, or whether you're trying to deal with the odor issue, a lot of it has to do with the products that you're using, the feminine care pads and panty liners that you're using, and the foods that you're eating. And I think that people are becoming more conscientious about what they're using and what they're putting on one of the most sensitive parts of their body. And I was personally shocked at how a uh, big of a category feminine care is, but a lot of women are kind of yearning for better options because so many of the feminine care products that you find on the shelf are just so full of chemicals. It's bleached cotton. It has preservatives in it itself. And it's, it, it's linked to all sorts of cancers or fibroids or infertility issues. And that as women are dealing with infertility issues or dealing with fibroids and they're 
searching for what are things that they should do using natural feminine care pads, panty liners is one of the things that comes up on the list. And so trying to find and, you know, find these products, I think is something that a lot of women are just, they're, they're attuned to. So I think that that's one of the reasons why it's one of our best sellers. And the products are just amazing. Every single product on our platform I have used personally to make sure that I love it, as well as our experts um, think that it's effective. And so that was was something that was really um, important to me. And then a piece of it is just education, is teaching people how to use new products and what new products to use. And I know uh, like for instance, using a feminine wash is is that something that's good for you or is it not good for you? And there's a lot of kind of debate about pH levels and does a wash interfere with your pH levels or does it not interfere with your pH level? And so people are just really looking for solutions to their problems that they're having. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I yeah, I mean, it seems obvious when we talk about it that, hey, what you put in your body, either through your mouth or in your vagina, um, that that should affect. It absolutely has an effect on your body. Your body is, is consuming that in a way, um, especially if it's laden in chemicals and such. And so I, I'm glad that you're bringing that through. I don't think it's something that is actually maybe an, era I need, an area that I need to look at because... Um, I have products that I use and that I love, but I never really thought about their toxicity until um, until just now. Yeah, it, and it's interesting. And unfortunately, you know, this is me putting my like feminist hat on for a second. I think a lot of people, the only thing that they think about is smell. And I think it's because women have, mm. there's a lot of reasons why, but I think that men, women have been ostracized or even kind of made to feel uncomfortable about the odors of their vagina that the, the number one thing that they look for often is smell before they even worry about health. And it's like, no, no, is your vagina actually healthy? And is it balanced? Are you drinking enough water? You know, it, those are the things that matter even more. But oftentimes that's not even where we hear a lot of the conversation coming from, because I think society puts more emphasis on sort of, you know, one than the other. Mm. Yeah. You know, it's interesting. Uh, a lot of times when I'm allergic to something, my body tells me pretty soon. Uh, but it's only recently that I've like become oh, like aware of that. And I did notice like when I was using like tampons, it's really funny. My body like literally rejects it or like push it out, which I was like, well, that's like a weird thing. But um, I think that if people were more aware of like how they feel when they're using different things, they would start to notice that even things that they feel like they maybe don't have a reaction to, you really do. It's just Mm -hmm. that a lot of times you're not paying attention. Ooh, yes. That's so good. I tell people all the time that a lot of us are living with sickness and we don't know it because we've normalized it as being a part of everyday life. Like myself included, like I had been really gassy and had been bloated. And I just thought that was a normal way that people felt after they eat food. Or I've had eczema breakouts in certain places. And I just thought that was a normal skin reaction. Or I've been really lethargic after, you know, after heavy meals, or I've had breakouts on my skin or like not the skin that's not the clearest. Or, you know, all of these signs are my body trying to tell me that it doesn't like something that I'm doing. But if I just take it as, oh, this is normal. Like everyone in my family has eczema or everyone in my family is gassy or bloated. Oh, everyone, you know, has diabetes. There's nothing I can do about it. Then it takes away your learning process of learning how your body works and learning what your body likes because you're just assuming, oh, this is normal. So I think at least that's a really good point, Lisa, is that you have to learn what normal looks like, which is why I think sometimes elimination diets can be so great Mm -hmm. because it can get you, it's okay, you're not eating anything that's a common trigger. And then as you slowly start and you, you know, you see how you feel, you feel energized and you feel great. And then you slowly start introducing these things back in. You might say, oh my gosh, maybe I do have a sensitivity towards dairy and I never really realized it. Or my skin really doesn't like this moisturizer that I've been using. Or I've been saying I have dry skin, but I really don't have dry skin. I just have been using a product that's been drying my skin out. 
you, I, you, one thing that you said that really resonated, especially in the context of food, is the fact that um, there's this sense of, for myself in my own journey, I felt like, well, everybody in my family eats, can eat whatever they want. So it, can't, it must be hereditary <laughs> that I can eat whatever I want, except I was clearly having symptoms of having a dairy intolerance. And so all kinds of things were happening. And yet I was, as you said, normalizing those things. And I see that true in my coaching, health coaching practice that people are suffering with digestive upset or with eczema that they think is normal, um, not realizing that there could be something that they're doing, um, not intentionally and certainly not maliciously, but something getting conscious about what they're doing and eliminating things out so that they can put them back um, Mm -hmm. and see where really is the what is your body really responding to? Um, and I think it's really powerful. And I, I really applaud you um, for the courage um, to to make this big step. It is a, a departure from our typical social environment, what, they, what it offers to us and what the programming that we naturally get, generally speaking. Yes, it's so true. I had to turn my TV off because seeing all those commercials just makes you want to eat and do all kinds of crazy things. <laughs> <laughs> That is for sure. Mm -hmm. So we've talked a little bit about some of the products. We talked a little bit about the Toxic 20 and your approval process for uh, new artisans or products that you'll feature. Um, What else do people need to know that will help them navigate um, black and green and and discovering um, how to better manage the products that they're putting on their skin? Yes. So... What I I love to always kind of talk about wanting to be accessible, but not necessarily overwhelming. Yes, a lot of the products that exist in mainstream have a lot of toxic chemicals that are linked with a variety of health outcomes, whether it's cancer or fibroids or fertility issues. But I also recognize that a lot of us don't have the means to just throw away thousands of dollars of products and start over. Um, and so I like to tell people like any lifestyle change that's actually going to last, you have to do it piece by piece, do it small and be gentle with yourself as you make the transition um, to more natural and more healthy products, I think is always a phenomenal way of looking at it. Um, And then we at Black and Green have a loyalty points program. So as you make the transition and as you shop with us more, we give you points that you can cash in for gift certificates to use on our website that kind of rewards you for your loyalty. So we want to make it as easy as possible. Like that's really our goal is to try to make this transition easy, try to make these products accessible, try to make sure that, you know, if you're purchasing, you know, several products that the shipping is free after you get over $50. So we're just trying to make it easier for you to find and access and use the products. And then we want to be here to support you as you go through the journey, as you go through your underarm detoxing, and you might go through three days of a little bit of, you know, like, you might not be able to go out in public, <laughs> but we'll give you tools. We'll give you scrubs and masks and all kinds of things to put on your underarm to help all the chemicals that you've actually built up over the years of using aluminum, you got to get all that out. I always tell people, if you've ever taken a shower with traditional deodorant on and you see the water just like ball up and like go away from your underarm and it's not even like washing it. I was like, imagine like you didn't even clean your underarm. You couldn't because it was like blocked by a film of like chemicals. So it's going to take time (laughs) for us to get that back right. (laughs) So be gentle with yourself. I think that's the most important thing is be gentle with yourself. Slowly become more conscientious. Find a a group of people in a community that can help support you. If you and a friend are making the transition together, then you guys can share notes and maybe even you can share products. And so like, you know, if if it's going to be a lifestyle change, It's not going to all happen today, and that's okay. I love it. Progress over perfection. And what I'm taking away is phone a friend if you need to. Phone a friend. Yeah. (laughs) So Black and Green has been gracious enough to offer a special incentive for the Jealous Vegan newsletter subscribers and Facebook group members. Um, We'll put a 
URL or um, a link within our uh, show notes that you can fill out. And then you'll be able to get a personalized coupon code to go and start trying the products that will help you live a better life. Yes, we're so excited for you to try um, something new that can kind of invigorate your routine and that you get to feel good about. You're, it's good for you. It's good for your community. It's good for the environment. It's like a win-win. There's so many other things we want to talk to you about, Dr. Kristen, but I, I recognize that the time is, is running out on us. I wanted to give Lisa and April both a chance to ask one last question, and then I'll do the same before we conclude. Uh, I don't have a question. I was going to call out the products that I use, that uh, that rose water tonic um, is stinking amazing <laughs> a hug for my skin and i love it and i keep it on repeat and i will absolutely be buying it i buy other things i there's a afterglow oil that i love mm-hmm. um, I purchased. um i did try deodorant i can't remember the name of it right just this moment but i it worked fine in the summer just not in the winter but now you've encouraged me to go back and try and detox it and see maybe if there's something I'm missing there. It's interesting because most of the time it's the reverse. It'll work for someone in the winter, but not in the summer. But it's interesting that it worked for you in the summer and not in the winter. Right. That's so interesting. Okay. We'll have to figure this out. This is like, I'm going to buy the box. I'm going to buy the sample box and then test it all out. It's fun. Plus, you know, I'm a woman. I want to play. Yeah. I want to play in in things. Yeah. (laughs) I definitely want to try the deodorant box myself. Uh, I I feel like I'm a little bit like Jen where I feel like mm, the all natural deodorants don't really work for me, but I do notice that I don't like conventional deodorants either. So uh, Mm. it's really great actually that you do offer people a variety because I think in so many areas like that, it's kind of like one size fits all. It's like, okay, if you want this natural deodorant, this is the one that you use. I didn't even know that they had, powders and spray-ons and charcoal and I didn't even know that that existed so that's that's really cool I'm gonna try that out myself yeah my my, Um, I'm sorry go ahead no go ahead my product of choice has been the black girl sunscreen April turned me on to that and I love the sun like want to lay in the sun and go to sleep in the summertime and can't can't get enough of it so um, I'm getting to the point in life where I probably need to or I definitely need to take better care of my skin. And so that's been a, a nice daily way to, to just keep myself a little, not looking um, aged because of the sunshine. Yes. Our esthetician would love to hear you say that. That's like the biggest thing she harps on is like, you have to wear your sun protection. I don't care about your age. I don't care about your melanin levels. Everyone needs it. <laughs> um, and- that black girl sunscreen is so amazing because it doesn't leave a chalky fill. Right. It just goes on just like a moisturizer and you don't kind of have that white, like kind of overcast. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. That's what I loved about it is it didn't have that white glow, which mm-hmm. I hate that. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Like, um, but I also love what you just said that, you know, I hear women of color say all the time, like, I don't need sunscreen. I'm black. And I'm just like, yes, you do, though, babe. Please yeah. put it on. It's like our biggest sister fight when we go on vacation because oh. I'm so anti-sunscreen. But I'm going to have to try this one out. She, but, you know, she buys it when we go on vacation and she, like, makes me put it on. Like, she watches me. She's true big sister. She's like, put your sunscreen on. Did you get the back? She's, like, rubbing it in for me. So I'm going to have to try that one. Yes, we'll definitely have to make that happen. Yeah. The, the product that I actually, I have two products. It's a, I think it's a castor oil face wash. Is that right? Oh, yes. Mm-hmm. Um, I really like that one because I feel like it cleans without dehydrating. And I use that, uh, especially like now in the winter time. And then I also have the greens moisturizer Yes, because I get really, really dry skin. And I thought it was such a good point that you made that, you know, your skin is your largest organ. So if I'm trying to like eat healthy and green and all of those things, wouldn't I want to nourish my face the same way? And that's actually the thought that I had when I bought it. And I really love it because I do go through these periods where, or at least I used to go through these periods where my skin would really get really dry. It would be flaky. And it's like no amount of oil. Even I tried, you know, jojoba oil and 
coconut oil, all of those things didn't seem to hydrate the way this greens does. So when I'm really Mm -hmm. feeling dehydrated, I'll make sure that I use like the castor oil face wash and then put the greens over top. And I usually do it at night and sleep in it. And when I wake up the next morning, my skin feels so much better. Yes. Those are my two go-to. Actually, the Daily Greens was the products I was referencing, which was one of the first Black-owned face care products I found. Gotcha. Uh, It's Apothecary out of Oakland. And that product is amazing. It's one of our best sellers. I sell so much of that kit. Um, It's that she has a three-part system that's the the rose water that you talked about too. And it's amazing because it's a waterless moisturizer. Most of us are used to our moisturizers having water in them, but this one doesn't. So you can like spray your toner on, leave your toner on your face, add a little bit to it and rub it all, all in. So the beauty of it is that it's not, it's not like in a liquefied form. Like you're really getting all of that that nutrients right into your skin. Mm-hmm. Love it. Yeah. Plants on my body and plants <laughs> in my body. Loving it. Yes. Up. Plants all around. So the, my last question um, is on your website, you have a, uh, it says, I like my products, how I like my people, non-toxic, <laughs> which I love and, and kind of corresponds to the whole letting go series. Um, but besides that, do you have a favorite quote a mantra, mantra rather, or words to live by that you want to share? Oh my gosh. So I am notoriously getting quotes wrong. Um, but there is this Maya Angelou quote that I absolutely love that really hit me in a transitional phase. Um, when I first kind of was on my journey, I was writing a blog. One of the, when we were talking about natural hair earlier, I wrote about how the natural hair care movement was failing me. Um, and I was just writing. And one day it kind of dawned on me that I kept talking about, I kept talking about things, but I actually wasn't doing anything. And there's this Maya Angelou quote, I'm going to definitely not do it justice, but essentially she was saying, you know, they tell you that you don't have language. So you try to convince them that you do. They tell you that you don't have, you know, uh, beauty. So you try to convince them that you have beauty. And she was essentially talking about racism and how we're so busy trying to convince people to not be racist that we forget to do the work on the back end of actually what you're here on this earth to do. And that just spoke to me because I felt like I was so busy writing and writing and writing and explaining and explaining, but I actually wasn't doing anything. So instead of complaining about you know, the FDA not making these products, you know, banning these ingredients and complaining about the lack of representation on these big brands that didn't have any women of color or complaining about the limited access that I felt like I had to all natural products. I decided to do something about it and create a platform uh, for Black women to be represented, to have representation, to have access to products. And so kind of be that change that you want versus trying to convince other people to create that change for you. That's great. Great. Well, thank you again for taking the time to join us, to share your passion, uh, your experience, and, and some behind the scenes information about this marketplace that's available for people to educate themselves and to find products that will, um, I, I guess I wanted to say um, do a body good, but that made me think of milk. So <laughs> 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 these products that will um, help us be able to take care of our needs without harming ourselves or the planet. Absolutely. <laughs> we'll see you in the next episode. Thank you for listening. Please connect with us on social media at the jealous vegan on Instagram, Facebook, or Twitter or at thejealousvegan.com and sign up for our newsletter to receive exclusive content to support your plant-based journey. And until then, don't let perfection be the enemy of progress.